lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we have a very fun one in store for all of y'all today. Uh, of course, we are continuing our Journo January series here with our guest today. Uh, you know her from the A Wrestling Gal podcast. You know her from her work with WrestleZone as he scoops and Wrestling Inc. Of course, I'm talking about Ella J, um, someone who has really been working hard to establish herself within the wrestling media landscape over the, the last couple of years. And I, in my personal opinion, has been doing a very, very good job at doing so. So I'm um, very excited to get the chance to talk to Ella about you know her journey through wrestling media at this point. Also, kind of open up a bit about um her own you know journey in queerness. You know, um, Ella hasn't really spoken publicly a ton about that aspect of herself, and so you know I was very happy to have her kind of open up a bit about that here on the show as well. So very exciting episode there. Um, also. I always forget, she has so many things to introduce her with, and I think I did this in the actual interview too, so I'll go ahead and say it again. Bury the lead here. Also, the winner of our 2023 um, QWI Award for Journalist slash Writer of the Year. So, an award-winning wrestling journalist uh, here, or wrestling writer, however she wants to describe herself on the show here today. So... Very, very much looking forward to sharing that conversation with all of y'all here on the show. Um, before we hop into that, though, I, I did want to touch on a couple of things real quick. Um, one, really enjoyed seeing uh, TNA come back to TNA and kind of open up that that pay-per-view with Giselle Shaw winning the, uh, the Ultimate X match and earning that Knockouts World title shot there. Um, just really, really awesome moment there to kind of jumpstart the return of TNA in a way that was really cool to see personally. So congrats to Giselle, obviously for sure. Also over the, over the weekend, there was a, a unification match in the NWA with the women's and men's TV championships, you know, held by Max, the impaler and Mims respectively that happened. I'm still not sure how that match went, but I'm really hoping that Max made another bit of history by, by unifying that. I'm sure somebody knows. So people that were at the show know. I just haven't, we haven't seen the footage come out yet. I don't know what the schedule of that being released looks like here. So hopefully that'll go up soon because I want to see Max make some more history after an amazing 2023. Also, um, Philly is coming up. Philly is coming up. The Collective, all the tickets are on sale now. I know the Big Gay Brunch 9, uh, that... <laughs> That is already approaching a sellout, according to Effie. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see another Big A Brunch sellout, hopefully, there in Philadelphia. Um, I am going to be in Philadelphia um, this this year, so I, I will be at that Big A Brunch as well. And I'm eagerly awaiting what we see there. That's not to mention also Big A Brunch 8 coming up in, in Tampa, just about, what, a little more than a week away here at this point. Um, that show is shaping up to be really special, you know, not just because you have Bussy versus MXM or you have made Kira and Billy Dixon going one-on-one and whatever fucking, uh, bullshit in the best way 
type match that we're going to get from them. I'm, I know it's going to be something to die for. But recently announced Sawyer Wreck versus Lindsay Snow. Mother of God. <laughs> that is a match that I am very much looking forward to seeing. Um, just two violent women going at it. Uh, just, just so special. We are going to be covering that show here on the podcast later this month. Um, we're going to be doing something a little special for that, though. If people that are subscribed to the Patreon, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod, will know Hollis from our monthly bonus show, Required Reading. One of my closest friends in the world, someone who I've collaborated with in the past and currently am now, obviously, with that show. And so we're going to have Hollis on the regular pod, the LGBT in the ring pod, to talk about Big Gay Brunch 8. And if you've listened to our conversations on required reading, you know that it's going to be a different experience than what we normally have on our show review uh, episodes, I guess. I almost said show review shows, and that just didn't seem right coming out of my mouth. Um, But yes, I'm excited to have Hollis on to not just watch Big Gay Brunch, but discuss Big Gay Brunch too. Uh, So that'll be coming up later in the month. We're also going to be closing out January here um, fairly soon, which, you know, it's always a bummer whenever we have to see it go, but that just means we just have another year before we get back to it there. But wrapping up January also means wrapping up January, and we can't do that without a new episode of Required Reading. And obviously, I I talked about the match that we are going to be covering last week on the show. I can give you the full rundown of what is going to be on January's episode of Required Reading, which you can get by subscribing at the $5 tier, the bonus love tier, over at patreon.com slash LGBTRingPod. Hollis and I are going to be uh, breaking down and discussing, uh, obviously, the Jumbo Ceruto versus Cactus Jack match from the 1991 uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling Champion Carnival. Uh, We're going to be discussing that match in conjunction with one of both of our favorite films of all time, uh, 1986's Night of the Creeps. So that will be an, an interesting conversation for sure. See if you can already make some of the connections that we have we have made thematically and whatnot between those two things and then come back for our discussion about, about both of them uh, separate and in, in conjunction together. Um, okay, I think I've, I've rambled enough and plugged enough stuff here in the front end of the show. Let's just jump right in to my conversation with Ella J. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I'm very pleased to have as my next guest for Journal January here on the show, someone who, honestly, over the last couple of years has just been been killing it in the wrestling media space. Obviously, with her podcast, A Wrestling Gal, um, as well as her writing work and interview work with sites like SE Scoops and Russell Zone and Wrestling Inc., um, as well as some commentary work, like at, at times as well. Like it feels like she has a lot of um, hands in the fr- in the fire at the moment, and is constantly putting more or transitioning them out. Either way, the metaphor has gone too long. Please welcome Ella J to the show. How are you doing, Ella? 
I'm doing fantastic, but no, you, you have it right. You know, some things have gone, I've had a lot of changes over the last couple of months, um, to where some things were taken off of my plate because of circumstances. Um, and then, but yeah, like you said, I, you know, I'm still doing a lot that I love to do. So I'm happy to be here. Yes, I'm happy to have you on. And also, I buried the lead in that whole intro. You also <laughs> are the winner of our 2023 QWI Writer slash Journalist of the Year Award, which, uh, first off, now that I can see you face-to-face -face via the digital landscape, congratulations on winning that award. Very well-deserved. Thank you. I'm still very surprised by that. Um, I'll be honest, when I was waiting for that episode to drop to see, and I kept forwarding and forwarding and forwarding until um, <laughs> about the two hour mark, I think it was, and to to find that out, just to see, you know. Um, I, I'm still surprised because there was a bunch of other more established names in there, like a Wade Keller, who's phenomenal. He's fantastic. You know, he's kind of legendary in this wrestling business. Um, and so I was super surprised by uh, the results. I know a, I think a lot of some people might have been, too, um, but it, it's very fulfilling, you know, and in. I guess it's a, a testament. Uh, maybe I shouldn't underestimate myself so much. <laughs> I mean, I feel like anybody in this space has a tendency at times to yeah. underestimate themselves or like undervalue themselves in, internally at that point. So I can understand like feeling that way, but you talk about yourself as like not being an established name. I feel like you're one of the more like established names of like the, like the newer voices in the pro wrestling media space obviously like you know we had alex queen queen of the ring yeah. on earlier this month and i feel like in the same way like she is another one of those voices and um i don't know like it's just interesting to hear like both you and her kind of talk about yourselves like as still not necessarily having or feeling like you don't have like the foothold that you do in a way it's i i say that as someone who is very guilty of even thinking about myself that way most of the time, I will say. So like, I don't know, like, it's, I'm curious, like what, what gives you that perspective in a way of, of like, not really like seeing wh what you have accomplished so far? I, I think it's, I don't know, it, it's because, you know, we always want to do more. And yes, I mean, I, I recognize that I, you know, I've done a lot, especially for somebody who came into this wrestling media space that started out as a, a hobby. It wasn't anything that I was kind of seriously considering. You know, I just started as a hobby with my own podcast and then it gradually evolved from there into a, a full-time thing. So I feel like since I, and hence also why, I don't know if I, necessarily consider like fully embraced journalists because I feel like I don't have the background in it and the education in it. I have a psych degree with a minor in creative writing. I did take some journalism and like communication courses in college, but I feel like, you know, I didn't come in with the, 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 the degree with it, you know, I was kind of learning as I went. So I feel like I've never kind of fully embraced that, but I, I love what I do. And I feel like, I mean, me and Alex, I am very close with her. I feel like we always want more, you know, I feel like we're all our own worst critics, but also I still feel like sometimes even with the progress that I've made that there's certain people in the community and not going to name names or anything that still don't view me as uh good enough or, or worthy enough of certain things. Um, and so that kind of gets to me sometimes. Um, and so I feel like that's probably why, because I want to do so much more and I feel like I can, but then I also feel like there's, there's people that kind of, again, maybe underestimate me or don't see me as kind of, uh, good enough to be in this space, you know, and it's not like an outward thing. 
Um, but I don't know. I, I just, I've never been one who's been like, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I recognize that I've done a lot, but I also want to do so much more, but sometimes there's some challenges in the way. It's like the, the focus of wanting to continue to like build the profile and do more, like doesn't necessarily yeah. give you, doesn't necessarily necessarily like provide the opportunities for those points of like, kind of looking back on like yeah. what you have done in a way. No, yeah. I can, I can, I can, I can relate to that at times. And it's interesting how that relates to, you know, obviously you've interviewed a ton of wrestlers for a wrestling yeah. gal and your various jobs across the internet. And, and, you know, I've done the same with my, my work. And one thing that really kind of sticks out to me from interviewing wrestlers is that there is this kind of like similar disconnect in a way of like, you know, because of the nature of the job, because of the nature of, you know, wanting to advance your career, like you are constantly just like looking towards the future, looking forward. Yeah. And you don't really have a ton of moments to kind of sit there and look at what you have accomplished so far with your in-ring work and that sort of thing. And I, it, it will never not be at least like somewhat like laughter inducing at times whenever I have like wrestlers on and I talk to them about like, you know, you, this, you accomplished this, you made this historic mark. I think it just happened with, with Giselle Shaw, like back last month when we had her on, like talking about being the first, you know, trans woman to yeah. challenge for a new Japan pro wrestling championship ever in the history of that company. And like, sometimes it just feels like people are kind of like taken by like, Oh, I did do that. <laughs> and, and it just like yeah. I don't know, like the, those those moments when those kind of things dawn on people is always. I've definitely had a, a few of those where I like. I mean, I'm a water sign, so I'm going to be emotional, anyways. Uh, um, but I have had a company. few of those. I've had had a, a few of those moments where I actually am like in that moment. And a, one of them was last year, like at at the Royal Rumble, because that was my first time doing media for WWE, and it came together so last minute, so I didn't have time to process and like until until I got there. Um, but I, you know, I had that moment. It's like an outer, outer body experience. Um, but I, again, I don't have those too often. Um, but sometimes it'll just randomly hit me like when I'm feeling down and I, you know, I try to remind myself of uh, all the stuff that I've done so far and the people that are supporting me. Um, but I wish I, I wish it happened to me more. It sometimes it just randomly hits me. You know, I feel like I wish I could be more positive with myself more often. I think that's a wish that a lot of us have, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so good thing that we have support systems around us to yeah. Like, oh yeah. To to show those moments to us at, at whenever they need to be shown. Um oh yeah. Very grateful for my, you know, my friends in this wrestling space. Like honestly, I have more friends in wrestling than I do in 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 real life, like outside of wrestling. Um, so I, I'm very grateful for uh the support system there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, well, talking about this sort of like evolution of of your work that we've seen over the last year, obviously, you know, with the podcast kind of taking a backseat, yes, somewhat due to your to your writing work with you know Wrestle Zone, Wrestle Inc., Wrestling Inc., and the various websites that that you've worked with. Um, like, what is that? We'll talk a little bit about origins in a little bit, but I'm curious just to ask about this last year for you because a wrestling gal like was your entry into this world. Yeah, and it was definitely seemed like your your baby, so to speak. Um, especially when it came to not just you know talking about wrestling, but highlighting women within the pro wrestling space, which obviously is, you know, historically been a very undervalued thing. 
both in the ring and in the media space as well. What has it been like for you over the last year to kind of feel like that has to kind of sit on the back burner a bit for the other stuff that you are working on in the space? You know, you know, once I started full time in um, full time work wrestling media, which was October 2022. So it's been like just over a year now at this point it's January 2024. Um, you know, I you know, I thought that, you know, I'd be able to keep up. But with all um, the writing work that I'm doing and I'm still doing interviews for some sites as well. It's honestly close somewhere between 60 to 70 hours per week. Mm. Um, And you think on top of that, having to try and schedule interviews, edit interviews, upload interviews for, for a wrestling gal, it just became, you know, kind of, kind of too much. Um, But also I, I'm still, I'm still, I've been very fortunate that WrestleZone, which, you know, God bless Bill Pritchard, have to shout him out. He still lets me to kind of continue kind of the essence of what a wrestling gal is slash was, which is, you know, spotlighting women's wrestling. So every, I think I had, I think there was only maybe two or three weeks last year where I didn't have an interview with a a women's wrestler or a women's wrestling personality. Every single week on uh, WrestleZone, I'm publishing interviews with women's wrestlers or women involved in wrestling. And it's included, I have a column on there, which is women's wrestling wrap up. It's just in writing format. And I'm still producing an interview almost every single week. I think there was only two or three weeks out of the entire year last year where I didn't have an, uh, an interview lined up for that week. So I still feel like I'm still doing that. It's just not on a wrestling gal itself. But I've been very fortunate that, you know, WrestleZone is still allowing me to continue to do that just on a on a different platform. And, and they believe in my work and uh, they're giving me and the women who are my guests a spotlight. I think it's a bigger it's a bigger outlet too, you know, than my own podcast. I get to do it in writing form and in, in video form. So I'm still doing it. It's just on a different platform, you know, and I'm still doing interviews for SE scoops and stuff like that. Um, And I'm still very active on Twitter and, you know, trying to spotlight as much as I can. So for me, I feel like it just kind of transferred to a different platform. Um, So, I mean, I've thought about reviving it with, because like I said, I had some things taken off of my plate uh, in the last couple of months. So I have a, a little bit, more time per week um mm-hmm. but still it's still something to where i don't want to burn myself out when i'm already working so much you know i work six days a week sometimes seven yeah. so it's kind of a mix of you know of course i want to do more and i still am but i also have to be realistic <laughs> with my body <laughs> and my you know mental sanity no i can com- i completely understand that i think you know obviously the the uh the the ambitious plight can yeah. can definitely like cause you to make those like personal like internal mental sacrifices at times that if you don't stay on top of those things you definitely trend into burnout territory yeah. very easily you know i feel like if you talk to anybody in this space they can tell you like those moments where they've kind of realized maybe almost almost past the point of no return or close to it yeah, and I'm trying. I'm trying. I've had I've had some moments. I I've tried, but I'm also I don't want to burn myself out because then it's going to affect my work and my own, uh, you know, mental capacities. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I I ran it. I, not to like, like, 
kind of fall off onto like a a, a, a not a rant, but you know what I mean, a, a sidebar or anything like that. Like yeah. I feel like I ran into something like that when taking the show independent last year. You know, after yeah, Vox, you know, kind of canceled our contract with them and everything because like you know, that's you that's putting your putting monetization on you. That's putting like yeah the the business side of things on you that's a whole that's a whole other thing too honestly like monetization like that was a whole other thing that i wanted you know too but also to achieve that you know is is even more effort it's doing clips it's pitching sponsors it's it's all this stuff that i'm still like new to and i realized there is just no way i would be able to keep up with that you know if i wanted if i wanted to monetize you know my podcast i know realistically that i was not going to be able to uphold that and i don't want to put into something you know half-heartedly you know so i'm still doing it you know i'm still doing women's wrestling interviews every single week basically 50 out of 52 weeks a year um so for me it's kind of just transferred you know Mm-hmm. Um, it's still the same essence. Um, I have thought about, I have thought about reviving it, but also the thought of, you know, monetization, that's a whole other, and, you know, plugging your stuff constantly. Yes. That's a whole, it, it's a lot of work. Yes, it very much is. It's a lot of like, I don't know. I found it to be a lot of like emotionally impacting work, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but no, like burnout, burnout is a real thing, but it is. I'm glad to hear that you've, you know, you at least like have like these sort of like checks for yourself where you are, you know, checking in and making sure that you're not like approaching that, that place, because it's, I feel like it's a very easy thing to, yeah to ignore at times. Let, let's talk a little bit more about like getting into this, this line of, of work in a way, because it's, it's so interesting whenever you hear people in this space, I feel more and more you're hearing this from people that are entering this space where it's like, this started out as a hobby that has now turned into a job in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to hear that you mentioned that you went to school for psychology and with a minor in creative writing. Cause I don't feel like that's usually the jumping off point for a lot of people that are getting into, into this, this line of work. So um, I guess let's, let's start back at like the traditional question, you know, like wrestling origins, like where does the fandom begin for you? Uh, 15 years ago, uh, the summer of 2009, again, junior high Ella was not, junior high Ella was a mess, a very, uh, depressed kid, you know, I feel like we, I was not very popular, whatever, um, it was a Friday night, you know, I was scrolling through channels, um, it was August of 2009, I, you know, I, I stop on this Smackdown, it's CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy in a steel cage match, loser leaves town, you know, um, Jeff lost that match, and I just remember being so captivated by, by Jeff's charisma, you know, he had this goodbye message, I'm like, why are these people, like, all sad, but just off the jump, it got me hooked from there, um, so I kept watching Smackdown every Every single week, you know, Mickey James came onto the radar. John Morrison DX came in for a while. They had the comedy bits, you know. Mm-hmm. So and and I was always I was a sporty kid growing up. I I did basically virtually every sport at some point. Um, so I, I loved the athletic, but also it gave me a good escape, like the comedy bits and also the the emotions surrounding the characters at the time really gave me 
gave me an escape. And then, you know, then I discovered Raw, then TNA. Um, so it kind of just gradually evolved from there. But I feel like especially as like an 11, 12 year old, it gave me a really good escape. And it also combined like athleticism and sports, which I had already loved. Um, and then, you know, then I just became it became a big part of my life, you know? <laughs> No, I can I can definitely understand that, especially around that age period too. Yeah. I feel like junior high, middle school, whatever you want to call it, like that's always a very like tempestuous time for oh, yeah. for people growing up. Um, I feel like everyone's seventh grade was shit. Um <laughs> in a yeah. lot of instances. Um, so being able to find escapes like that, you know, even if it's just for like two hours on a Friday night, like that is that is the that can be vitally important to you know, development to kind of centering yourself and, and not getting swept up in the emotional chaos that comes with that age and, and that time period for a lot of people. It's in, I'm interested to, I'm interested to talk a little bit more about your athletic background as well, because like, that's something I did not, I did not know about obviously, but it feels like that would be an, an obvious place of connection there beyond just like, obviously the stories and stuff like that, but yeah. Especially in that era, because like 2009 was kind of like, I feel like a sort of transitional period for how WWE was treating the yeah, women. Yeah, the beginning of the PG, well, PG era too, and also yeah. Divas. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. But like that, you still had the Divas era there, but it also mm -hmm. felt like, you know, certain, certain women were starting to emerge, like sort of like pushing the bound like pushing the boundary of the idea of what diva yeah. can be you know um i think you know people that stand out to me from there or at least like that or not necessarily 2009 but like that whole like few year span there people like beth phoenix people like uh, you my know, hometown girl i went to the same go. college as her actually too oh nice nice no that, well then an obvious connection there so yeah <laughs> but like as someone who was so involved in in athletics, like how important was it for you to see women on TV in an athletic like profession, so to speak? Because we're also looking at a time where like obviously the WNBA is a huge thing now, NWSL yeah. is a huge thing now. Women's sports has been on the rise in notoriety over the last decade or so. But back then, like I feel like that that was not necessarily the case even though the WNBA had television contracts and that sort of thing like like how was that for you to to see that connection happening on the screen and you know i thought it was really it was really cool but i think uh during the women at the time you know they didn't get a lot of television time so mm -hmm. while i obviously thought it was like really cool you know these these athletes in the ring and really impressed with what they could do. I feel like starting out because their time was so limited. I think I was more fixated on the character and emotional aspects of um, the divas, you know, specifically, you know, my first women's storyline that I remember seeing is not everybody's favorite um, is pig, the whole piggy James storyline. Oh um, God. I remember that. So one. that was kind of my introduction to it. And do I, you know, do I think it was uh, done in good taste? no, but for me, I feel like I needed that storyline because, you know, I really related to 
kayfabe Mickey on that uh, on that level, you know, dealing with body insecurities and kind of getting, you know, picked on for it during that time. So I really related to her and was rooting for her. And now I'm friends with her. And now it's, you know, it's, it's a full circle thing. But for me, it was really the emotional investment and in, like seeing Mickey kind of transcend that and overcome, you know, lay cool and all of that. Granted, she lost the title after like a month, um, but we don't talk about that. Um, but I, I really connected on an emotional and character level, especially in the early beginnings of my connection with women's wrestling, I feel like. Um, and then once, you know, TNA knockouts, the first episode, the first ever thing I saw of TNA was the TNA knockouts only special on uh, New Year's Eve 2009. Now, they're, you know, they were more, uh, they gave their women a spotlight TNA. So yes. once I started watching TNA, I think that's when I really started to appreciate the the athleticism of the women that, you know, you had obviously um, the beautiful people. Tara was there. Mickey came, you know, later 2010. Um, ODB was there. Um, you know, there were, there was a lot of women during that time. Winter came eventually. Awesome Kong. Um, you know, I think it was really through TNA. I think that I, on the athletic part is where I, you know, became more floored and attracted to that part of that, you know, cause they were more, they obviously had character elements, but they got more time to spotlight themselves. Yes. I mean, you can't talk about the establishment and evolution of women's pro wrestling without talking about oh, yeah. TNA. Yeah. Like they, they were the progenitor of what we see now in, in terms of women's wrestling across the board, you know, no matter what company or independent or mainstream, doesn't matter. Like the knockouts division laid that foundation in, in the North, in North America for sure. Um, and like, I feel like I've loved seeing that TNA has not rested on that laurel. They've continued to innovate with that, yeah. I guess, to get into like a small sidebar about like current day stuff. Like we just had hard to kill happen. Yes. You know, Jordan and Trinity absolutely killed it. Giselle Shaw, obviously someone very special to my heart being part of the community, seeing her win ultimate X. And with in a match that featured a lot of like new talent there as yeah. well, you know, people like Danny Luna and Zaya Brookside, you know, getting their first spots on a TNA pay per view. Like, what has it been like for you as someone who like really gravitated and latched on to that at an early age to see it continue to grow some fifteen years on now? I think it's an I think it's absolutely incredible what TNA, you know, has been able to do and be able to keep up and uphold, you know, their standards and not letting the women kind of fall through the cracks. It's a real testament, even through multiple ownerships. I feel like the TNA slash impact knockouts have always had, you know, once starting around like the 2007, like Kong Gale, kind of once the knockouts championship was arisen, I feel like through then they've had a, you know, a pretty consistent, you know, streamline of keep making sure the women have a spotlight and you know they continue to make history and also you know they've had multiple main event pay-per-views now and I feel like a lot of people you know when they talk about TNA they think about the knockouts and I feel like in a lot of other big companies when you think about a certain company you don't just you know historically don't think about the women in the company first depending who they are you know um but i think tna has been able to keep the women at a at a standard you know kind of equal level as their men and it's really been really refreshing to see especially in you know as they say a male dominated industry 
I'm glad to see that so many of of the women now are continuing that trend and you know we're still seeing the the creative forces stay behind that as well so much so that like a company like impact is like really seeking out new female talent too yeah you know especially they're starting to look over in the UK you know a lot you know Danny Luna coming coming over Zia Brookside you know we already mentioned those two but like even people like Harley Hudson who won their gut check over there yeah. in the UK last year and, and now is going to be coming over to, to train in North America for a while and probably maybe has that path onto onto TNA television at some point here. Like it's just it's exciting, I think is the key word there. It's like it's like they've kept it exciting to see where the development of the knockouts division goes in the future. And at the same time, with obviously the rise in prominence of women's pro wrestling on the independent scene as well. You know, I that's mindset is really like spreading throughout the the pro wrestling scene as a whole in, in a very gratifying way, I, I feel. Yeah, especially too when you, you know, uh kudos to impact, you know, especially now where recently they've had a couple departures or people taking time off that they need people to kind of to step up and be new faces in the company and also now Jordan Grace is in a position where she's I mean she's the vet in in impact you know pretty much our uh, TNA it's going to take me a bit to go back to TNA sorry yeah. <laughs> um I've had to no, actively I, think about it <laughs> yeah I I'm very glad that they're bringing in some really you know Danny you know has been there since about May but now she's got that official contract Zaya Brookside has that official contract um Harley Hudson's going to be training at Can-Am she might eventually get a contract as well they and the fact that they've been like scouring I mean they had um they had the Australia tour last year. I don't know if they signed anybody there, but they've been expanding the horizons, you know, um, and actively looking for people. So I think that that's fantastic. And it gives a chance, you know, for them to work with the more established talent on TNA, you know, kind of mixing things up, you know? Yeah, for sure. And and I think that's a, one of the things that I really like about when they, when they go overseas is that you're seeing a lot of mix with, yeah. with various talents. And also you get some, some moments with like, you know, people that are under contract with TNA that are going back to like old stomping grounds, like, you know, Giselle and Alex Windsor, yeah. like that was a match that I love to see again. I want to see it released somewhere impact, please. <laughs> but it might be a digital exclusive. They'll drop it, it honestly on, on a random Thursday, maybe, like just on yeah. our YouTube. It's going to pop up randomly. Maybe it'll be on TNA plus. I have to sign up mm, for, for the streaming service and and that'll be a way to pull me in there if, yeah. if not for another way. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show and say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod, multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous, uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly, uh, round table of those sort of things. So, uh, definitely go over and check us out uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Every single dollar that is, uh, 
pledge there to support the show is very, very humbling, and we thank you. We also have a, a merch store over on Brainbuster Tees. Go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the ring. Uh, you get t-shirts, tank tops, all kinds of good stuff. And, you know, always looking at some new things as well. But uh, definitely check us out on Brainbuster Tees there as well. You can follow the show on social media as well. We're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme. Formula 666 from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBT ring pod or visit uh, the URL tinyurl.com slash IWTV LGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. Um, well, let's let's get back to you a little bit because you mentioned something about you know obviously that that Piggy Jane storyline being a very like sink your teeth into something moment mm-hmm. you know very con- high connection moment for you, and then you mentioned uh, on the at the same time like you're now friends with Mickey James. Have you had the chance to talk to her about the impact that, that storyline had on you? And what several was, times, yes. What was that? What is the what have those conversations looked like? there well you know i've had i've had it with her several times you know when i was i mean i still am a fan of course you know of wrestling but when i finally got to meet her for the first time which was 2017 i mean that was like basically me telling her for the first time in person the impact that she's had on me and i think after that i saw her maybe five more times in person, you know, I've, I never fail to tell her how grateful I am for her, you know, and it, you know, we've had candid conversations about it and she's been open about it too on, on their podcast. That was not a, a highlight of her career, something that at first, you know, she didn't, you know, necessarily enjoy doing, you know, it was kind of 
a bittersweet thing, you know, but then looking back on it and, um, people like in not just me, but other people who have brought up to her, how people related to that storyline, you know, as you kind of look back on it, she became more, more grateful for it. You know, even if it wasn't done in, in taste during that time, you know, it's something that she's grateful for that it had, you know, it connected me to her and it helped other people that were similar to me looking back on it. Um, and so at the end of the day, I mean, she, she, I'm grateful for it. Um, and so is she from what I know. And she's talked about that before. So looking back, you know, maybe in the moment, it's something you don't like doing, but then it's one of those things that you look back and you're like grateful that it happened, you know? Mm -hmm. No, I, I could definitely understand that, you know, especially at a, at a time there where, you know, body shaming was yeah. much more socially acceptable as opposed to nowadays, like in that sort of thing, like, not that it should have been, obviously, but you know, like that time period where that stuff is maybe a little less less sensitive in the general public, but it's still like mm -hmm. something that can be so like devastating internally and personally. Like it's interesting to see where like Mickey James specifically like kind of interacts with these moments that really connect with underrepresented audiences in a way, because I know speaking from like the queer perspective here. So many people that I've spoken to, so many men that I've spoken to in the LGBTQ scene and pro wrestling point to the Divas era as a as a major point for like getting into pro wrestling and finding themselves within the pro wrestling space. And even like drilling down even further, so many people speak about the Mickey James Tristrata storyline in terms yes. of like a bit of a, a as we say on the show, a crumb of LGBTQ representation yes. um, that people can latch onto and make their own crumb cake with a bit. Um, obviously, like, you know, as as I mentioned before we started recording here, like whenever you were nominated for our award last year, last year like I didn't realize that you were part of the community, um, which, you know, obviously I always like to learn. I'm not, I'm, oh, I don't sit here and act like I'm the arbiter of knowing all of the Oh, queers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, like hearing that connection with Mickey James that you had, like I'm curious to ask because like you haven't talked a lot about about queerness publicly, um, and and all that. What were did did you ever have a chance to go back and look at the Mickey Trist storyline and like where how did how did that land with you personally? So honestly, it had nothing to do with with wrestling. My I guess, as you would call it, awake. I don't know if you would call it awakening or realization moment. It yeah. had nothing to do with wrestling. Um, okay. Well, I guess, I guess kind of, you know, because, you know, people get uh, crushes, I guess, in wrestling, you know? Um, so I guess part of it did. Um, but honestly, I was, I guess later in life, you know, it, it came, I, it was 20, 20 ish 2019 2020 so just a couple of years ago you know i mean mm. i don't know how everybody's thing it wasn't kind of a oh, again this is like my first time talking about it so i'm so sorry if i'm not like <laughs> as uh articulate with uh my explanations um it was kind of a 2020 2019 you know i started you know um had been like maybe thought I was straight, you know, it's been boys, boys, boys my whole life. But then, you know, you just start looking at people and then you suddenly like realize that you're like, 
you, you, you think you're attracted, but it might be something more. Um, and so it just kind of, it was one of those gradual things. It was not something that like I knew for a long time, or maybe I did and never realized it. I don't know. It was just one thing that I, you know, it started out with curiosity with stuff. And then I think, you know, then I just kind of embraced the B and LGBTQ. Um, so that, that, there you go, people. Um, um, so it's just something that happened gradually. You know, you realize that, you know, sometimes you're just curious. You think somebody's attractive, but then sometimes it you realize that it's something it might be more. Um, and so it's not like this huge awakening that I had. I just realized that it was it was something more than just attraction. <laughs> so, um, you know, some of it, you know, you grow up, some of them, some of the people that helped, you know, um, have made me help have me my awakening where people in in wrestling you know you realize it's more than attraction but i think just overall um it was just a gradual kind of thing it's not like this major kind of arc or story honestly i just had mm. a i just had a lot of introspection with myself and then realized oh it's not just curiosity <laughs> <laughs> i mean i feel like you know some people can have like awake uh, quote unquote awakening moments can be I don't know like, would you I don't know what the right term is. I mean awakening is not a bad term to use. Okay. I I've used it plenty of times over the over the, okay. the span of years talking about like you know moments where I might have like felt like oh there might be something different about me or something like that. Yeah. But, but I feel like awakening is also a very strong word where it feels like your eyes are opening to a whole new world and like all these uh, other things. Yeah. When in actuality it's like you get like small bits of like, oh well that's the thing that I connect with. Like that maybe is something else there. And and very I don't know I don't want to say very rarely, but I'd say less than people may think it's just like one moment where just like, oh no, I'm a gay, you know? Like it, yeah, it's... I I wasn't just one moment. It was like you said, those crumbs, you know, mm -hmm. that gradually added up, and then you know, I started to realize that it was it was more than curiosity. <laughs> no, I I completely relate to that too, especially on on the wrestling game, because I think one of the major mm -hmm. moments for me growing up, where I kind of started to get that feeling, like okay, maybe there's something different about me, was when I started watching wrestling, yeah. you know, because like the first character I ever saw was Goldust. And yeah. this is like, okay, there's, I'm connecting with this on a level that I did not expect to connect with. Mm -hmm. I, I need to, I need to understand this maybe, or maybe just push it away. Cause I'm growing up in the South and I don't want to deal with that right now. Um, so <laughs> like I can, I can totally un understand that, that sort of like slow process of like learning small things here and there and recognizing there's more to it and that sort of thing. Um, and obviously, like, since you haven't spoken about this, like, publicly a lot, like, you know, we want this to be a, a comfort, a space of comfort here. Mm -hmm. So, you know, definitely share what you feel comfortable sharing. And, and that's something that we always, like, preach on, on this show but and outside of it, too. I feel like the queer experience is about, you know, that sort of, like, self-motivation to really talk about these things there. But, you know, since we have, like, broached it a little bit there... Talk to me a bit about like how that has kind of like developed alongside, you know, your love of wrestling and, and your your career and like all this other stuff. Like how has how has how that kind of how has that realization kind of come more into picture over the time span for you in relation to those things? I feel like, you know, it's I don't know how to explain it. 
you know, I feel like it's just something that's just there for me. It's not like a, a major factor in my life or a major identifier for me. So I don't feel like it's really impacted my work, you know, it, it with wrestling anyway. I just feel like it's kind of just a, a personal thing that I have. Um, I don't know how to ex I don't know how to explain it. It's not like a defining characteristic, I feel like, of of who I am or the kind of the culture surrounding it you know of course I'm always I'm involved in the community and participate and support a lot of you know figures in there and I identify I feel like though it's one of those things that I'm still trying to come into myself you know being more comfortable with talking about it like even like mm -hmm. just today is a big step for me because I haven't talked about it a lot um because I didn't really I guess come out at least on wrestling Twitter or whatever until 2022 um, during Pride Month. So I feel like it's something I'm still kind of getting more comfortable with and like talking about and sharing my experiences with. Um, so I think that's kind of something to kind of circle back to because I feel like it's a still a process for me and, you know, embracing myself in that element. Um, so, yeah, I think like I said, I think it's just something I'm still slowly embracing and getting more confident with, you know, not being as um, shy about, you know, because I, you know, I'm still in that mindset, you know, there's still people that are judgmental and, and stuff like that. So I'm still kind of slowly getting more comfortable with myself. And I feel like that also has to do with like, you know, like my body insecurities, just me in general. I've been a more kind of reserved and um what's the word insecure person. Um, so I think it's something I have to get more comfortable with gradually. I can, I can understand that. Maybe the better question to ask is, you know, obviously like you started your career and really your career kind of has been defined up to today, even by covering women's wrestling and yeah. highlighting women's women, uh, female wrestlers. Um, obviously that is a underrepresented community within the pro wrestling space very similar to the LGBTQ community where, you know, over the last decade, we've seen just an explosion of women's yeah. wrestling over the last like five or so years. We're starting to see a similar explosion with LGBTQ identities in pro wrestling as well. What has it been like for you as someone who kind of like built their, you know, their platform on, you know, a, a deep intent focus on highlighting underrepresented populations in the pro wrestling space to see that sort of spreading out to more than just women's wrestling and highlighting all these other like cultural communities within it. Well, it's awesome. And a lot of them overlap too, you know? Yes. Um, so it's, it's been really awesome to see, like you were mentioning like a, a Giselle Shaw. I know that had been something that, you know, she, she knew who she was, but again, it be her being more comfortable to, she finally, it was let just let, 20, actually 2022 you know she mm -hmm. finally you know came out and she's been awesome an awesome focal figure and um a really great person to look up to so it's really it's really empowering to see you know these underrepresented groups get more opportunities and be unapologetically themselves you know um i still obviously there's still work to be done in, in a lot of these aspects but i think gradually i think people are can we swear on here? Oh, you can swear all you want. Okay. People are taking less bullshit. Um, and people, you know, because there's a lot of promoters and people in wrestling who are um very judgmental or ignorant or just unaccepting or or or, or bias of stuff. And there's a lot, there's a lot more people that are not taking that bullshit 
anymore, which has been great, very great to see and more people speaking up for those underrepresented groups and also giving them a spotlight, but also calling out those people that I just mentioned to our, you know, whether it's it's bias or or ignorant or people who don't want to give them a spotlight or whatever. Um, so it's been really cool to see. Obviously, there's still work to be done, but I think over the last, like you said, maybe five-ish years, um, especially for the, you know, the LGBTQ community, um, we're slowly getting the ball rolling, you know, um, and they're getting more opportunities on some bigger platforms, which has been great to see. Obviously, there's still more work to go even higher, you know, in 2024. Oh yeah, there's always more work to be done. But if you if you can't take the time to celebrate the wins that you have made, you yeah, know, you're never gonna get to that that higher place. Yeah, you like you have to recognize like how far you have come in in a lot of instances. And and you're right. Like I I do recognize over that time span that that mentality of like fuck the bullshit, like fuck yeah. the people that are holding this stuff back. You know, and I think in in both communities in both populations like we we've seen that obviously you know i feel like um you look at people like effie in the in the queer community yeah. people like ally catch people like uh, dark chic you know people at that indie level that are you know not afraid to call out the bullshit uh, in those instances and and looking at at companies there and then also people that are doing it through their own action you know max the impaler is a person that i as a fellow MB, I definitely um, like celebrate what they have done over the last year. Obviously, you know, reaching the, the number one spot at the QWI 200, but really all of that being based on you know their work in TJPW, their work in NWA. You know, just recently, as we're speaking, like I haven't seen the match yet, but they wrestled Mims to unify the women's and men's TV titles because the gender like barrier in pro wrestling is a, a thing of history at this point, honestly, in my opinion, or it should be, you know, like it's just really cool to see how pro wrestling has been kind of reimagined by the community and how it's almost like they're picking up in some ways, how like the women, you know, at the indie level and at some of the mainstream levels have really taken, took that no bullshit approach to wanting to be treated seriously as well. Yeah, Allie Ketch, um, speaking of her, she was also, I feel like one of the people in, you know, the wrestling community who like, whether she knows it or not, um, actually she does, um, had kind of helped me, empowered me to kind of come out, gave me a bit more courage to do that, you know, seeing her and having some conversations with her, um, she was actually, you know, and, and Mickey as well, um, so shout out to them for kind of also, you know, giving me courage to, you know, kind of, I guess, come out in 2022. What was it about Ali that that kind of helped push you in, in that positive way? You know, obviously she was out as pansexual mm -hmm. um, and it was around Christmas, December 2021. Um, you know, I've always been a supporter of Allie Ketch. You know, I have a eight by 10 of her hanging on my wall framed. Um, you know, it was around the holidays, you know, um, I had ordered a cameo from her actually, um, basically, of you know, asking, you know, how to, I don't remember what exactly I asked, but it was basically like being more comfortable with yourself, you know, and, and maybe coming out to your, your family and all that. And she gave me really good advice. Um, and then through there, like, uh, we kind of established like a, 
a good rapport online. And then, then I interviewed her and then I finally got to meet her in person in 2022. Um, but also just seeing her in general, you know, be uh, again, unapolog unapologetically her, you know, was really inspiring to see. So, um, so her and, you know, other people, Effie's obviously a big person who was unapolog unapologetically himself. So definitely just seeing her in some of the conversations that we've had definitely helped me gain a, a little bit more um, confidence, I guess you could say. I can see that. I can see that for sure. If you're if you're looking for people who exude that level of confidence yeah. from from the community, like you're you're spot on with with yeah. the two choices there. I'm curious now, knowing that the, this relationship you have with Allie and this relationship you have with Mickey, what was it like for you to see the two of them square oh, off at Mania weekend? I manifested that. that I have a tweet <laughs> that I tweeted out in December of 2021 saying I need Cowboy Alley versus Hardcore Country. And then it happened four months later. I was there in Dallas to in person. I went mm. to go see that match. I was not missing it. I was not missing it. I was elated. I was elated. Um, and I know, especially because Mickey doesn't do a lot of indie bookings, but when she heard it was going to be against Allie, she was like, heck yeah. And obviously, you know, they did some spots in that match, which love them. So I was elated to see them. I, I manifested it. I did. I did. I have the proof. Um, so I was <laughs> elated to see that match. And then uh, I got to see Mickey after the match. She snuck the, through the curtain to see me afterwards. And we were like talking all about it. It was great. I I was so happy to see that match unfold. <laughs> well, I will I will offer my thanks to you for, for manifesting that match for me because it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Oh, I love I know I, I love seeing like Simp Alley actually get her moment with yeah. with the people like that. So like this is really cool. Um yeah. <laughs> God. Now I'm just thinking about it. I need to watch that match back again. Same. Yeah. So I guess as we start to kind of wind down here a little bit, Ella, like like having this this part of of, of your like identity kind of being a bit, you know, a bit more public. Obviously you still want to keep that like that barrier there for yourself wherever you want to put it you know and that sort of thing um how does that like kind of does that influence like your approach in continuing like coverage in the wrestling media space like obviously like you know with your focus on women's wrestling like does being like being part of the, the community now like make you want to like kind of speak on topics like that in in the wrestling media space at all obviously like you said before there's already a lot of like bleed over there like just looking at the list of like people that you had on a wrestling gal over the last year like people like gypsy mac people like milo you know outstanding young up-and-coming talents that are, are part of the community as well so you're already doing that bailey mcroberts another one i know that she goes under a different name now yeah. but yes. another another person that um I love to to see continue to grow in the space. Do you see like any like not like a shift in focus, but like a broadening of focus in a way with like as you like kind of sit more and like get more like steeped or comfort in, in your own identity in that way? Yeah, you know, um, 
I'm not going to say who it is, but there is somebody um, that I have an interview lined up who was just on the QWI. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it has, I think I've, it's, it's something that I've kind of always been open to and am, am embraced and have also been wanting to give a spotlight to, but yeah, there's definitely, you know, more motivation to, to give a spotlight to, to the work when I can, you know, it just people's availability, you know, is, is pending, but yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, I wanted to continue to spotlight obviously women, um, but also women that are also in the LGBTQ community, of course, you know, um, that, that is something that I've been you know wanting to spotlight more um and in all of that I I don't know I don't know if that answers your question <laughs> it it does I will admit it was it was not it was not the it's kind of a cumbersome question honestly okay. <laughs> so I understand why like the the doubt there is but I think it I think it did and I think the real value in in that is that you know we can be part of a community. We can highlight part of that community, but we're not limited to just that community. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that, you know, obviously your work with the various websites that, that you write for, like, obviously like you're covering everything, you know, every, a lot of mainstream stuff, as well as the work that, that you're doing, highlighting women at all levels of, of the pro wrestling space. I guess a better question to kind of go out on here is, what do you kind of look forward to in 2024 as like a like a personal goal for yourself i have a lot you know um i have a lot of goals obviously um mm -hmm. you know obviously obviously i want to get some more of my dream interviews but honestly i just you know i want to continue to broaden you know my scope and continue to be full-time in in wrestling media you know that was something that i had worked hard for for about two years to achieve and i finally got to it in october of 2022 but you know there's a lot of uncertainty when you're when you're a freelancer you know and obviously i mean you're a freelancer you can attest to that a lot of yep. people can you know um so there's a there's a lot of uncertainty about the future. I just want to continue honestly the simple like the simplest thing I want. I just want to continue doing what I love, you know, which is I love doing interviewing and you know I want to continue writing and being able to to travel a few times a year and continue building my brand but also sharpening my skills um and also being financially, you know, stable with that you know that i also have to be realistic with that you know i can't be doing all of these things though if i'm not financially you know stable and all of that so honestly i just want to continue to be able what i'm doing right now um but obviously you know there's always uncertainties it's gotten me a bit worried um so if i could have only one thing just 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 let me continue doing what i love at a full-time capacity honestly <laughs> Well, I will do my best to manifest that for you in in the, any way that I can. Uh, water sign solidarity on that, for sure. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ella, before we get out of here, um, I guess so, a question I, I don't always end on, but I feel like it, it fits whenever I'm talking to fellow like people in, in the media space at times. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you about that you had hoped i would mm. uh, we're talking about manifesting i just want to publicly manifest some of the interviews that i was talking about that i go really really want go for it honestly though it's really sad because three of them are injured right now and it's oh <laughs> it's so sad 
Um, but like Jamie Hader has been one that I've like, if you watch a wrestling gal, you know, like it's been five years I've been wanting, you know, Charlotte Flair, unfortunately just got injured. So I'm so sad about that. Dakota Kai should actually be returning next month, possibly, or before mania. So she's one, um, Adam Copeland and hangman, Adam page. I would say those are my top five. You know, if I can get at least one of them this year, like, that'd be great. You know, I got to ask Charlotte a, a question at the Survivor Series press conference, so that was good. Um, but I don't consider it an official interview. So if, if I could get one of five, one of those five, I would <laughs> I, I would be very happy. Real quick, before before we get out of here, because you brought up the Survivor Series press conference. Obviously, when Alex was on, we talked extensively yeah. about that experience and about yes. the, the anxieties that can surround being in that space. I'm curious to ask you, like, are you like us? Are you just kind of like lumping your throat? Like what is going to happen in this thing? Like going into those sort of spaces at this point or like, like what are your feelings around like being present in, in those spaces as someone from an underrepresented population? You know, um, again, that was also Alex's, I, I, you know, Alex was rooming with me that weekend. We were staying with our other friend, Malcolm. I, for, I somehow was the vet in this experience with just one prior <laughs> WWE press conference. So uh, naturally, obviously they were nervous and like, I still am too. This was only my second press conference. You know, it's a lot less daunting though, than your first one where you like, don't know what to expect. Um, so obviously, you know, anytime I'm in any press conference or media call, like virtual one, of course you're nervous, you know, you don't want to mess up your question, you know, and you have to have questions in mind, but it's even more daunting when it's in person. Um, but I think I was more comfortable with it because, you know, I had questions. I knew, I knew what I had to ask. Um, and I had a couple backups, um, but the adrenaline is just going through you, especially when it's your first one, you know, and I'm, again, that kind of goes to what my other goal was of continuing to build that and be a part of more of them just you know at a, a realistically financial capacity um so yeah it is daunting especially for your first one so i can relate to alex on that that was me at the royal rumble last year for my very first one i was a little bit more lax you know um but obviously it's still it that's one of those scenarios where you're like this is my life you know it's a real kind of validation of where you're at and I want to be a part of more because I love this sport so much um and I love getting to ask questions participate so yeah I'm hoping I'm hoping for more in 2024 um planning to go to money in the bank we'll see nice um we'll see so yeah Awesome. Well, I'll be looking forward to any opportunities that you do get. I'm sure plenty of other people will as well. And again, for any aspiring wrestling writers, creators, media personalities out there in the world, it's okay to be nervous. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it shows that you care. Yeah. Like even wrestlers, I mean, you know, we're not wrestling, but even wrestlers will say, if you're not nervous, like it shows that you care, you know, if you're nervous. So yeah. I, it's always going to be, it's always going to be nervous when you're doing something for the first time, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, Ella, this has been a, a whole lot of fun. Thank you again for taking the time to come on the show. Let everybody know where they can find you online and check out your work. You can find me on, I don't call it that other thing. It's Twitter. It is Twitter. You can follow me there. At, <laughs> it's Ella J. That's where I'm most active. Uh, if you go to the link in my bio there, all my links to all my writing and, and pro projects and 
podcasts and interviews and other social media are all in one place there. You can follow me on Instagram if you want, but honestly, I'm not that active on there. I just like to scroll. Um, that's underscore it's Ella J. Um, but like I said, you'll find all my links in my bio on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Ella. Thank you. My thanks once again to Ella for taking the time to come on the show and and talk about you know her experiences in media, open up about her you know journey through queerness as well. I know those conversations can be very tough to have in a public setting, especially you know whenever you haven't really done them that much or really kind of had space to do that um, in a public way. So I, I really do commend Ella for for being that you know candid with me and with us with all of the listeners here on the show um definitely support ella and all that she's doing you know all of all of her work at wrestle zone all of her work at se scoops all of her work at wrestling inc you know all of the episodes of a wrestling gal are up to be streamed to be streamed and listened to and downloaded and all that good stuff all the episodes of the podcast are up there on her YouTube as well as Spotify and all the other podcast platforms. So plenty of ways to, to get more LJ in your life if, if you want it there in a wrestling capacity. So yeah, just I, I look, I, this is the reason why I like doing these shows is, is, you know, learning about the other people that are part of our community within this greater wrestling media community. And I don't know, like I always lead these conversations feeling just a little bit kind of more connected, more grounded. And I hope that it's the same for the people on the other side of the, of the microphone, of the Zoom chat, I guess. I don't know. Um, as well as for all of y'all. You know, I think the more people that, that we see from our community within these spaces, the more comfortable, the more empowered we feel about entering or existing within those spaces. And that's that's really all that this is about. Along with having some laughs here and there, <laughs> obviously. But um, that's going to do it for us this week on the show. Again, if you want to support us further, you can do so at patreon.com slash lgbtringpod. Um, you can go over there and join the roster of lovelies. That's our $3 backer tier. And you will join the, the roster that gets shouted out on every episode of the show. Names like Zach Walker, uh, Alex E., Val Capone, Jerry Legend, our wonderful roster of lovelies backers over there on on, on Patreon. Uh, again, if you want to do that, $3 tier, patreon.com slash LGBTRingPod. You want to get the bonus shows, subscribe at the $5 tier, and you get those every month. Um, you know, as well as the entire back catalog so far. I mean, we're coming up on, ooh, I think June will be a year of running the patreon so we're about halfway there we're about six months in and you know we i think i'm proud of of the the, the library that we've built for all of our patreon backers and if you want to check all of that out you can go and support us over on patreon.com slash lgbt ring pod all right i feel gross plugging so much <laughs> of course if you can't um if you can't support financially totally understandable that is you know a reality of this world and one that i know very very well um but you know you can still support the show via like word of mouth spreading the word about the show as well as you know five star reviews as lucas uh, shapio last week uh, very graciously 
highlighted. Five star reviews on podcast platforms do help uh, in 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 some form or fashion. So you know that's always welcome as well. Um, but yeah, now I think I'm all plugged out right now. Uh, but we'll be back next week with another episode of LGBT in the Ring. Until then, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And shout out Jameson Shook, the Chattanooga Goons, and all the people at TWE for handling business the right way down at Barbed Wire Baptism this past weekend. Bye.